going on, everyone? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and I am incredibly excited to start uh, this franchise talking about the Cloverfield movies, and we're starting with Cloverfield, released in 2008, which seems like forever ago. It doesn't feel like this movie is that old, but uh, it is. Rob... um, yeah, this is just one of my favorite monster movies and one that had a, a very interesting marketing marketing campaign. Um, what was your were you part of the original hype for Cloverfield? Like, did you know anything about this or is this something that you watched later on? I watched it after it was released. I want to say this. I'm trying to look it up right now when it actually came out. 2008. So January 18th of 2008. I definitely did not see it. Um, probably within the first three years that it was out, I would say it's, it's kind of maybe just after that. Um, but I remember there being a lot of hype around this. I remember there being a very like, what is this kind of feeling about it? And there was, there was a real viral buzz, um, as, as much of a viral buzz as you could get in the, you know, slightly pre social media, uh, world. Yeah, and the reason I, you know, part of the reason why there was so much buzz is, you know, they released the teaser trailer uh, with the original Transformers movie. And in a rare case, the trailer did not indicate what the title of the movie was. It never once told you it was Cloverfield. And after that, it only led to more speculation because they created websites. There were phone numbers. The characters in this had MySpace pages. Uh, They really went like all out with, you know, kind of a a secret. What is this movie? Uh, Designs of the creature were, you know, being brought up online. It was it was really kind of interesting to be a part of what was going on when this movie was first, you know, announced and people really just kind of had their own theories and really it was a really kind of cool time because things weren't leaking. Uh, They also made it so that the people that they auditioned for this movie, they didn't even get the script for this movie. They had to read from like pages of JJ Abrams, other projects. Like they literally read pages of script from like lost and alias to audition for this movie. They would not give people the script so that this thing remained a secret, which it is really cool if you know the the backstory to this movie. Yeah, I think there's um, there's like precedent for this too. There's um, I, I feel like certain um, certain seasons of The Walking Dead, they pretty much just gave them their own lines, and they didn't give them a, a, like the full script, so it couldn't appear anywhere else. Um, it seems like a very Tom Holland kind of thing to have to worry about, right? Right. Yeah, if only Marvel to have done that with Tom Holland so he doesn't spoil everything that they do. Um, but, you know, Cloverfield was a, a huge success. I remember going to see this opening night. This is when movies still had midnight releases. Um, went with a, a huge group of friends. Theater was packed. And, and this was a hit. I mean, it was made for $25 million. It earned 172 at the worldwide box office, so highly profitable. Um, has spun two sequels uh, loosely, depending on how you feel about them to some people. But, you know, we'll we'll talk about those at another time, but we're here to talk about this first movie. And, you know, one of the other things that this had, you know, maybe going against it, but I think actually benefited the movie was, you know, this was a found footage film. And I think that that aspect of it is really what helped propel this movie, so to speak, and made it so interesting. I I thought the that this was the way to shoot it. If this would have been shot like a typical movie, I don't know that I'd have liked it as much because it really did for this. You know, at least for me, as we get into this thing, it gave me a real intimacy with the characters and what was happening. Um, as opposed to some other found footage movies that I've watched through throughout the years, Rob, like what are your thoughts on that with the, the found footage film being the catalyst for this movie and how it's shot? 
You know, I'm 100% with you um, on everything you just said. I kind of wonder if we would even remember that this movie existed if they shot it like a traditional Hollywood movie with just a monster. You know, if this was every other monster movie, I'm not sure we remember this. I don't know that a lot of people would, you know have have um, you know have any feelings about this movie like all found footage style films this does suffer a bit from having to have the camera on and running to tell the story when it wouldn't normally make sense for someone to still be holding a camera and and actually like paying attention to what you're focusing on and zooming in and out so to really enjoy this movie you just kind of have to go with that a little bit like you kind of have to just let that happen but there's a rawness to this being found footage. It doesn't feel like there's ever Hollywood style lighting set up. Like things are dark at times. It's, it's really, um, it's really profound. I, I really enjoy a lot of what they do and and the way that they shoot this, um, the way that it's shot, just again, going found footage, it makes everything feel more raw. It makes everything feel grittier it makes everything feel more real. And I would also say more genuine. Yeah, no, that's, it really does feel genuine. And yeah, there's, although they do sit there and it, it, they even in the movie ask, um, you know, one of the characters is like, why are you still filming? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like it, you know, it, it doesn't negate the fact that it's like, yeah, at some point you would think they'd be like, screw this and just put the camera down and just run for their lives. Um, but they do, you know, make an attempt to explain like why the heck he would still be filming this. And I, I do believe like based on the character and that's the thing for me, the the character of HUD, I feel like the way they presented him, he would be the guy that would hold the camera this long and try and record this. Now, whether or not I agree with that it is a different story, but I do think there is some believability in the character wanting to still film. This. Well, and you think about HUD, you know, the way they present him, he, he's kind of goofy, you know, and and we don't get really a ton of back story on any of these people. We really only know as much as we know from what we're presented and your mind has to sort of fill in the details. But one of the things that occurs to me is that he's the kind of person that uses humor to break up nervous tension. When he's scared, he he diverts to humor. That's his default. Yep. And when people are stressed, everyone has different responses to the things that stress them out. Uh, some people have a nervous laugh. You know, they, they, they laugh when things aren't funny. They laugh at inappropriate times. Um, and for him you know, it kind of feels like, okay, he was given this task earlier in the night to film this. So he just, he just keeps filming. He, he's still kind of holding to his task. And then when, uh, the uh, Rob's brother, I'm forgetting his name right now gets killed. You know, the last thing he really gave him to do was to film everything and to document it. So he's just going to keep doing that. Uh, Jason is the character's name. I, I just found it in my notes. Um, and, you know, again, I think you kind of have to go with it a little bit, but it works. Yeah. You know, and, you know, talking about these characters, our, our main characters are Rob, um, Beth, interestingly enough, um, yeah. Beth, uh, his brother, Jason, HUD, um, and I'm forgetting Lily, uh, Lily. Yes, Lily. And then um, the girl that accompanies them. Because uh, Lily was Jason's girlfriend. Oh, uh, yeah. Then they have Marlena. Yes, Marlena. Um, you know, those are really the the focus of, of this movie. And like you said, we don't know a lot of these. We don't know a ton about these characters because this movie really kind of just picks up. Like, we understand Rob is going to Japan for a job. Interestingly enough, people, you know, think that he's going to work for the Takata Association, which produces slusho which was a huge tie-in to the viral marketing of this movie um but you don't get a lot about him you get the fact through like flashbacks of you know video footage that he has a thing for beth um at one point they were to you know they were together even if it was just you know spontaneously so to speak but even though you don't get a lot about these characters 
there was just something about them, even from the first watch that I had, and even to this rewatch, something about them, and maybe it's the the found footage or whatever, but you use the word like genuine or real. These characters feel very real, and their relationship and their feelings feel very real. Even the the small little detail of and you know, the movie doesn't really waste a lot of time. Like once this monster attacks, it's just it's okay. The, the foot is on the gas and we're moving, but small little moments, like when Jason dies and they're down in the subway hiding out for a minute Mm, and and just that small phone call from his mother telling her that Jason didn't make it. There's a believability there and they move on from it because they have to, but it felt very real. Like I felt terrible for Rob, like, you know, his brother, like his brother's dead. Um, he's telling his mom, but like, there's always that sense of like, I like this guy, like, I do believe that he is like, I, I have to get to Beth and, you know, we have to keep moving. And, you know, there's another scene later in the movie that we'll talk about too, where he is just, he's laser focused, but he never comes off as like a dickhead about it because like, you know, there's there's a character that dies, you know, which is sad. And he's like, I I, I got to go like you guys can stay here. I'll come back. But like, I have to go like, I, I, I'm sorry. And you can see he genuinely feels bad that he's saying this, but like he has to. But like, that was one of the things that I was impressed with is is some of the actions of these characters you could take as like, geez, don't you have any sympathy or a heart or like, man, like, what the hell? But it's so believable that they're not trying to be a jerk about it. They just understand the severity and the um, what's the the word I'm trying to think of, but like the the right now of the situation. Yeah, there's a lot of importance into what's going on. I mean, there's from the time of the attack, I think this really shows the chaos of what the average person would be going through in that moment. And it's, and it does feel like chaos. You know, the camera's bouncing around a lot because it's found footage. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of improvisation to the, the scenes. Like mm-hmm. nothing feels Hollywood. This feels like real found footage. And you mentioned that subway scene where Rob is on the phone with his mom, explaining that his brother, Jason is now dead that was such a gripping scene to me. And what really occurred to me on this watch through is I felt like that was the first time that the character of Rob had processed that his brother was dead. Mm -hmm. Like that was the first time he really, like when he had to say the words to his mom, that's really when, you know, cause he slowed down for a second of trying to get to Beth. That's when he first actually had to, to deal with that. And it was really moving. Um, and it's those are not the kind of scenes you expect in a movie with a giant kaiju in it, right? Like you don't think yeah. you're getting that. No, and I I don't think you expect either to feel something again. Like I feel something for the relationship between Beth and Rob. Like yeah, I feel something for that too. And again, it doesn't feel like corny or cheesy or any of those things. It just feels real. And just one other point that I wanted to make when you're when you're talking about the found footage film you know it it is chaotic and and the one thing that I like is even though this is a found footage film and you're like geez why would he still be filming you can question that what I do like because I've seen movies that do this like you know HUD falls the camera drops multiple times like it's not like he's just how the hell does this guy stay on his feet and get perfect angles of everything or like, or stay super still to get this shot? Like, no, it's chaotic. He trips, he falls, he drops the camera. He has to clean the smudges off it at one point. Yeah, He cleans smudges. He sits there. And, you know, when we first get the first real kind of good look at the monster, um, which they called Clovey on the set, um, you know, he's, it's from an angle because he's like terrified of there's gunfire and tanks and he's like ducking for cover. And it, you know, it's just, it feels again, very real. I don't want to keep saying that point, 
But that's what I like about this movie is even though it's found footage, I've watched found footage films where it's like, you're way too still in these moments. Like there's no way this camera is not moving. You're not shaking or anything in between. And that movie does this really well. And, you know, one of the other things for me that this movie does very well is the buildup to the creature. There is, to me, a lot of tension in this movie, um, you know, about, okay, what does this thing look like? Because, again, we didn't know what this creature looked like until the movie hit. And I think the design is freaking awesome. Like, I love the design of this creature. Um, I actually think there's a Godzilla movie that rips this creature design off later on. I Mm -hmm. I think one of the more recent Godzilla movies blatantly yanked it. Like... You know, I, I just, I absolutely love it. Like this legitimately is, this might be, you know, kind of giving away where I'm going to be at the end of this. This is legitimately one of my favorite monster movies ever. Like I love this movie. Um, But again, you know, it's because of these characters and the relationships. And, you know, we, we talked about HUD. One of the other things that really works for me is Rob, you, you, said this perfectly he uses humor to ease tension because he doesn't know how to deal with it or being frightened or just in an awkward situation where he's trying to talk to the girl that he likes and he doesn't know how to the bits of humor that you do get in this i actually enjoy like they to me they feel well timed because again i believe that this hud character would try to be like that in the moment. Like, I totally get that. And that's another thing that I like is, again, like some of these movies, you would not expect some of these, you know, these things to actually work in a movie or to see them in something that you're just like, well, it's a monster movie. They're just supposed to destroy things. Yeah, there's um, I, I think that character is really interesting. There's a moment, you know, before the attack Um, there's some really funny moments at the party and you can see some of his social awkwardness, you know, the character of HUD, but the, the party itself has some really funny moments. The, the natural improvisational nature of these characters, you know, before they all start to die is actually really effective and works well. And, and, and there's that moment, um, you know, where they're outside on the fire escape and they're, they're all about half in the bag and having real serious conversations about life and relationships and, there's very few people who have watched this movie or are listening to this right now that have never had one of those. Like, tell me you've never been half in the bag with a friend, not maybe on a fire escape, probably like a picnic table or something like that, or or in somebody's living room and somebody's heart got broken. Maybe it was yours. Maybe it was your friends. um, And and you're just having one of those conversations like that. I think we can all identify with that. And that makes these characters feel real. The little bits of the problem that we see. And what's interesting about it being found footage is that the, the, pieces of the story the pieces of the characters that we don't see it's natural for us not to have answers to everything it's natural for them not to be all the way fleshed out because we're only being presented what we've got and it -hmm. all happens in real time and i just think there's so many things about it that make them interesting in the same way that like jaws worked really well because you never really see the shark you know what you don't see is more interesting than what you do see And I think that's there's some other moments in this with the cinematography choices that, you know, I think are just so like so effective. Um, I'm thinking specifically when they get to the part where they find Beth and he sets the camera down and it's really smart storyboarding the way they set the camera down when they're kind of pulling her off the rebar, because that would have been a little hard to watch. And it would also would have been tough to keep a PG-13 rating for. but you would have had to do a little more with special effects and you don't need it. Like we don't need mm-hmm. to see that. This isn't, this isn't hostile. This isn't one of the right. saw movies. It's really smart the way they do that. And there's one or two other times that the camera specifically doesn't show something and it's more effective that way. Um, you know, even, even playing with the idea of it being a camera, you know, I, I had a camera with night vision on it about the period of time this movie came out <laughs> and there's the moment that he turns that on and you kind of are expecting as an audience member, 
even if it's the first time you've watched it, I mean, I knew it was coming because I've seen it before, but when the, the creatures are on the ceiling, you're expecting to see something, yep. but it's not a jump scare. It's not a jump scare at all, but it's an effective moment. It's a, it's a moment that, that makes your heart race. It's incredibly well done. It's using the idea of a found footage movie. Like what, what are you, what's unique about that? What can you do with this style of movie that you can't do with any other style of, of traditional shot film. And it's making it work to tell the story better and give a better reaction to the audience. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really smart decisions here. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I I really like about that scene too, where they, where they finally get to Beth is you can see like, again, the framing of it when they are trying to get out of the building you see the creature in the background. Like I thought that was a very effective shot too. Like you see the creature walking towards that location. Um, I I really liked how they framed that shot. I even really like when, you know, everybody's looting uh, this store and Rob runs in and he's like, Rob, we don't have time to go into the cell phone store. Like, and he grabs that prepaid phone because he's trying to listen to his messages to hear what Beth said. And even like it's very brief, but the extras in this movie, like the way they're looking at the television screen and like sheer awe of what they're seeing, I thought was super effective. And that scene where they're showing the monster on the television, like rubbing his back up against the building and then those parasite creatures are dropping off of him. I thought that was a really cool way to show him, too, because, again, it's like there's so many people that are like reacting in such what feels like a natural way and they film it. I thought that was a really clever way to do it is showing these people watching this happen on the TV screen and just being like, what is this? Like, Oh my God. Yeah. There's um, after the initial attack kind of hits, there's this real stillness and confusion in the aftermath, that's really effective, really effective. Mm-hmm. There's some other things that are happening, particularly the scene you just mentioned where they're in the, um, the electronics store. There's some very like long single shots throughout this. There's the scene on the bridge. There's that scene that you were just mentioning where I think maybe one or two times they might've cheated and been able to take multiple takes by, by kind of moving the camera quickly and blurring the screen a bit and maybe using that as their, as their kind of glue to transition two pieces of, of footage together, but you really got to look for it. it mm-hmm. and, and I'm not even saying I know for a fact they did. There are some really, really long single shots in this that you just think about all the improvisation. You think about all the things that could possibly go wrong somebody looking at the camera when they're not supposed to be there's so I mean so many extras that it's really impressive when you break it down from a technical standpoint all the things you have to get to go right to make that work and keep the the illusion of this is found footage um and keep it effective it was really impressive to me on on this watch through yeah, no, I, that's I, I totally agree with that because there are so many things that can go wrong when you're presenting in this style. Um, you know, and, and one of the other scenes that I just, I love, and I had briefly mentioned it is when they're trying to go through, uh, you know, they're going through the city to to try and evacuate and the military shows up and starts shooting at the creature. That scene is like pure chaos. There's tanks, there's guns. You get a really good shot of the creature, like, you know, looking down and, and the sound design for the creature, I thought, was really good as well. Like his roar and or scream or whatever you want to call it, I thought it was very well done. Um, but that scene is like is just pure chaos, and it definitely builds tension. Like even watching it now, I was just like, yeah, like this ramps you up. Like they they know how to take like ebbs and flows and get you invested in the attack. There's a lot of chaos that's super effective. And and what's interesting about being invested in what happens. So the movie starts off. And uh, for those listening uh, at home uh, or in the car, wherever you might be, if you haven't seen this in a while, um, 
it starts off with, you know, a slide. It'll, it says like property of U.S. government, do not reproduce, do not duplicate, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of starts the, the tape. And you kind of have the idea like, OK, this camera was recovered. Like yep. you get the idea. It's likely that every person we're about to meet is no longer alive. Like you're you're not you're not positive, but you're like 95 percent sure. Like, oh, this is like a Shakespearean tragedy where before this thing even starts, we already know there's going to be a pile of bodies by the end of it. And and yet you're still rooting that some of these people are going to get out like you want to see them. The terror feels real. Um, there's you, you mentioned the chaos of the scene where the military is like marching down the street. And that is pure chaos like in terror um there's another moment of just i would say frantic chaos that's really effective and it kind of starts when marlena says you know i don't feel so good and she's bleeding out of the nose and and all of a sudden just things start happening and Mm -hmm. we don't really know what happens it kind of seems like maybe her head explodes like is kind of what it seems like and they never fully describe what that is it's you know she got bit it looks like a bite they say it's a bite and and they're reacting to it like they already know that that's a bad thing. We don't know what it is and they never really define it. But the chaos that really starts at that moment. Wow. I mean, if the movie slowed down for just a little bit, it just cranks it right back up. Yep. And it, there's a little bit of a hint, too, because as they're walking through, like when they get, you know, um, when they run into the military and they're like, OK, like bringing them through there's actually a couple of bodies that you can see. You have to look very quick, but that are bursted open. Um, so it looks like why they are like, we've got a bite and they pull her, they pull her away immediately is it does look like, you know, you know, why people explode when these creatures scratch them or bite them, you know, whatever, whatever happens. Um, there you know there's it it does look like they've seen people that have gotten bit or scratched by these creatures already have like some sort of explosion and that was another really good scene and i mentioned it a little bit earlier but you know she blows up they take out like everybody's going you know insane like they go to take her and they're like what are you doing where are you taking her like no 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 and they're they're trying to hold you know rob lily um and hud back and, you know, Marlene dies and then they they escort the one uh, soldier escorts him out. And he's like, look, you have until this time. You got to get out of here. Um, and they're like, oh, they're going to what? He's like, no, like I'm talking Manhattan. Like we're going to nuke this place if we can't take one last shot at this creature, which is very believable. Like, OK, how are you going to contain this goddamn thing? Um, but there's like a very real like that scene where HUD's like. I don't know. She, she just started bleeding and they took her and like, I don't know what happened. And Oh my God. And like, he's like super frantic. And again, it's just very, very good acting and it's very believable. And you know, that leads into the scene that I was mentioning earlier where Rob's like, I uh, like, I I gotta go. Like, like now time is really of the essence because they're going to nuke this goddamn place. Like I have to get to Beth. Like, I'm sorry, but like, you know, HUD, I really liked how HUD's like, no, man, we're with you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Like he, he composes himself. He wants to be a good friend. Like, I don't know. There's just something about that, that HUD puts aside his feelings to help his friend right there. There's something I really like about that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, he, he's kind of not sure what else to do and Mm -hmm. his friend feels pretty pretty resolute in his mission and it just kind of feels like okay well we've we've come this far in for a penny in for a pound let's go try to save whoever we can save you know that we couldn't save marlena well maybe we can save beth we'll do the best we can you know and it's um yeah i i believed it you know i i felt like tj miller did a great job with that you know i i've seen him in a variety of different things some things i've really liked him in um you know, he's run into some personal things that have come up, not for me to comment on, but just in terms of his performance here and this, I really enjoyed him. Yeah, I, I enjoyed him as well. I, again, I enjoy uh, every one of these characters. Um, you know, th- I guess the only thing that I would say is, and it's a small thing, but when they first find Beth, 
Um, it does not look good for her. Like the way no, that, that looks that, like she should not survive that. Yes, that I've every time I see this movie, I'm like the way that that bar looks like it, you know, is through her chest. It's like that looks like that's right through her heart. And like it's one of those situations where like when you hear about an accident and they're like, if we move the person, like the only reason that they're still alive at the moment is because it, like this is holding them in place. It feels like when they pull her off of that, that like that bar, she should be done. Um, I, I guess that would be like my only like major, not major, but that would be my only real call out of like that part. Just always, I look at it and go, "She's dead." Like that that stake is directly through, like the center of her chest. Or yeah, it, so. It's when they get to her and she's not awake. All right. So she passed out for a reason. Could be blood loss. Could be a lot of things. Could be shock. Could be, mm-hmm. you know, um, but she's got like a rebar sized hole in her center body mass somewhere. I mean, I it looked like maybe it was closer to her shoulder, but like that's going to gush blood out of both ends on top of the blood. She's already lost. Um, you're not running on a giant jungle gym that is your semi-collapsed apartment building and and continuing to run like you you need immediate medical attention if you even survive that thing at all so yeah i'll come with you i kind of wish they would have for all of the things we've praised so far about just the grittiness and the real factor that what felt real um, I kind of wish they would have done something, made different decisions there. You know, maybe, maybe she's got a concussion or something. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's, it's her arm is trapped or her leg is trapped under rubble, but it's not like a piece of rebar, like going through her body. Yeah, no, exactly. That is, that is my one major call out for this movie. Um, that it, it, it doesn't go away with rewatches. It's just like. Okay, like there I have to suspend a lot of disbelief. Um, you know, but after they do rescue Beth, um again, I think another really good scene when they get to um they get to the evacuation site it, it really kind of sucks because I don't want to say unceremoniously, but like Lily gets taken out and I was like, oh man, like I was like really sad, but like it was just so like abrupt that I I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else I wanted from it. But like she gets taken out in the helicopter that she gets into and then Rob, Hud, and Beth are are taken away in another one. Like, did you like are you okay with that scene? Like, I don't know why, but I felt like I, I wanted something else for her. I don't know what else I would have wanted, but it just felt very awkward. I don't know. I mean, and I guess in that situation, you probably don't have time to, <laughs> to not be awkward, but. Well, I think having it, having them being separated, I think that makes sense. You know, like it's, yeah, there's, there's all of this going on, you know, they're just rushing civilians in and evacuate them as fast as they can. Um, you know, it does seem a little like, again, we don't really know a lot about this creature. And I think that's one of the most effective things about this movie is we don't know a lot about the creature, mm-hmm. but this thing must have some pretty mad hops because it just jumps right up and gets, <laughs> gets that helicopter. That's got the remaining three of them on it. Um, feels like, feels like maybe the, the pilot of that helicopter should have been maybe a little bit higher just, <laughs> just to be on the safe side. Right. Yeah. I mean, that creature is, that creature is huge. Um, but again, like that's I, I really, you know, that scene where they're they're flying and they're bombing him and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just jumps through the smoke and knocks that helicopter down. Yeah. I was like, God, oh, God damn it. Like you said, because I was like, oh, man, like you assume by the opening because, yeah, it's like project titled Cloverfield, like do not duplicate. You're like, well, everybody's done. Like, it, but as the movie goes, you're like, well, I hope some of them actually like survive and the government's just like you know because you can think like when they meet the military they're like we after they're gone like we need that camera like you like you need to give us that footage um 
but you know, uh, the monster knocks down that helicopter and they wake up. You can, you can hear that the, the copter crashes, uh, the three of them do survive Rob, Beth and HUD. Um, but you hear that, you know, the hammer down protocol that they called it is going to begin. Um, and, and this is where HUD, and not only does the creature have hops, he, he must be extremely stealthy at some point too, because he sneaks up on HUD. Um, yeah. <laughs> like when he turns around to grab that camera. Um, but man, I just like, I felt so bad. You get that scene where he's just looking up at the creature and then obviously the creature like bites him, chews him, throws him around, whatever happens. Um, Man, that ju- that sucked. I felt so bad. Like, I just felt so bad that HUD was gone. You know, I you feel for Rob because his brother, HUD, like, all these people are gone. Um, one little other, like, kind of, hmm, that's interesting. Um, you know, he flops HUD, and it looks like the camera falls, like, right next to HUD's body. Um, odd choice for them to go get it. Like, how did they pick up the camera and the monster didn't just kill them? I, I kind of question that. Yeah, a little bit weird. And and I'll tell you, um, I'd love to know what model camera they've got because right. that thing, the lens never cracks. Like, the body of the thing never breaks. The battery seems to have infinite life. Um, yeah, I, I want to go buy one of those because uh, it survives a lot, a lot. And not only that, but it even survives the uh, hammer down protocol, which I think if you want to explain that away, and I'm, I'm kind of being a little picky here because I haven't <laughs> really complained much about this movie yet, but you know, they show the rocks kind of covering the camera a little bit. So it's a little bit more plausible that there's some debris protecting it from the majority of, of the stuff coming through. But even at that, like, I don't know. I do think there's going to be some people. So I'm talking to our Gen Z listeners now, mostly um, that have never really messed around with physical medium for, for movies or, or music. You know, everything's always been on an SD card or on a, an SSD drive or it's in the cloud. Um, I think people who go back and watch this that don't remember videotapes, right. it might be weird. Why? older clips get interspersed with stuff that's happening in real time. Like, so as, as they're rewinding to look at the footage and then show it again, it's not necessarily starting at the same recording point. So they're actually recording over what Rob made. And it's, and I think there's, you know, newer audiences won't necessarily recognize that or, or have this, you know, the same understanding of it, but I'll tell you the times that they choose to do it, I think there's such great juxtaposition between the terror that's going on and these happier times. And it shows you that little glimpse of, man, they looked like they were together and they looked like they were really happy. Yeah. And you understand a little bit more why, why this matters to the two of them and why he felt so betrayed when she shows up to his party with some, some rando, like right. that feels like a real betrayal. Um, like, why'd you even come if you were just going to do that? Like, you should have known better. So it, yeah, it it's really, really effective. Yeah, and, you know, part of that, too, when you, you say, like, it, it meant something to both of them. And, you know, she does say, like, there's that scene where he confronts her in the hallway. And he's like, can we, like, he asked her inside, like, can we go talk? He's like, you bring this guy to my party. And he, she's like, you didn't call me, Rob. Like, you know, like, so there's there's that back and forth and there's the, you know, the justification from her of like, you didn't call me. He's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Japan. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, I, I don't know what to do here. Um, but as you know, after they pick up the camera, after the creature kills HUD, you know, they go under the bridge and they sit there. And again, I believe that if this tape was found, like Rob, you know, he asked her like to kind of, record like a final message on the camera um and he's like you know something attacked the city at such and such a time like blah 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 we don't know what it is um and then he you know he goes to beth i actually really again believe that the way that the two of them talk on camera where he's a little bit more 
Tom about telling the story. And she's like devastated. You know, she's like, I don't know why this is happening. She's like, like, she's like crying everything. I, I feel like their dialogue again is very believable for the two characters not saying that like she's you know like she was weak or anything like that it it just felt it felt very real what they said is like kind of like their last testimonial and you know what's interesting about that so you think the beginning of the movie during the party when hud and before that um jason was filming people and asking them to say things like some people can turn it on and turn it off Mm-hmm. and Marlena really struggled. Like she was really not, she's not comfortable speaking in on the camera. Like that was really awkward for her. She didn't enjoy it. That's just not her strong suit. Meanwhile, Lily, Jason's fiance, you know, she was able, she had some thoughts already prepared. Like obviously yep. this was her idea. You know, she was, she was pretty good with, it felt very rehearsed. Um, yep. and, and it felt natural for her to do that. Then we flip to the end and we see Rob who has, pretty much just resigned himself. Like he hears the sirens and he knows that if you're in auditory range of the siren, like you're in the blast zone. Yep. And he is accepting his fate at this point. Um, and he feels like it's his responsibility to somehow document whatever he can still while he can for whoever finds it. And she's not come to those terms. She, I mean, I, I don't know that she necessarily knows that the sirens mean what they mean. I don't know that she was around for that. In fact, I'm, I'm positive she wasn't around for yeah, that. Yeah, no, she wasn't. So it means something, it, you know, she, it doesn't mean the same thing to her. She hasn't really, she's probably still in shock from having that piece of rebar stuck through her. I mean, the tetanus is definitely starting to creep in at this point, if, if it hasn't already. Um, so I think, I think it's really interesting when you compare those, you know, those two points of the movie where people are doing on camera interviews um, and just comparing the, those kinds of things, you know, the, how easy that is for some people to accept or not accept. Yeah. Also too, I, I, I think there's, there's clues too. Uh, you know, um, she has not, even though like her building was destroyed, I don't think she has seen at that point, she has not seen the monster as many times as like Rob and the group did. It, it seemed yeah. to me that she, you know, not only was she getting over the fact of her, like, you know, bleeding and, and things like that. I do believe the first time, because I think there was an audible cue from her that she asked, what is that? Like, so yeah. she's still in shock that like, like, number one, she's like, what the hell has happened? Like, how did I get this bar through my shoulder? Why is my building destroyed? Why are we like? why are we running like what's happening to the city and in all of that she gets this realization that there is this you know again like now every single monster is called a kaiju um there's this giant creature that is causing this destruction like i'm sure she's probably as confused as rob probably is still like she gets woken up and taken out of the building find out like to watch a friend die to watch another person die to also being like what the hell is this giant creature like what is going on here so to her like this is like this is a whirlwind of things going on right now and not only that but she also hasn't been witness to the ineffectiveness and the level of ineffectiveness (laughs) that our u.s military's weaponry has on this thing i mean she saw the bombing campaign not go well um, but she didn't get a chance to see the small arms fire and the tanks and everything else that they were launching at. And I think there were some other aerial attacks that they had prior to that, but she hasn't been around to see the way he has it. Like, yeah, nothing we're throwing at this thing seems to be working. Um, you know, I, I think that was another interesting thing to consider, you know, in her mental state at that point. Yeah, no. And it, as the the bomb goes off and the rubble starts hitting they you know they both say that i i love you and the you get flashback footage um of them at coney island and this was another huge thing of like marketing after the movie came out you can see that object in the background crash into the ocean as they're recording i don't know if you caught that i did not i kind of want to pull that back up now on my computer yeah. so <laughs> top right hand top right hand corner um 
as that last video plays where they're talking um, about their trip to Coney Island, you can see uh, you can see something falling and crashing into the ocean. Um, th there was, you know, several theories that that satellite fell out of the sky um, from that Jap like the Japanese had a satellite over um, that got knocked out. Certainly there's some wild theories and stuff like that as the other movies uh, we'll talk about. But yeah, you can see something crashing into the water behind them, which is what people say is the catalyst for the creature waking up um, out of the ocean. So, but there's a very simple but very effective line that makes you go, yeah, like this meant something. I like these characters. I, I really wish they, like, it, there's just something about it. But when he's like, okay, last thing, like, what do you want to say to the camera? And she takes, Beth takes a quick second and she says, I had a good day and it's super simple, but to sound cheesy, like what more do you need than that? Like, yeah, she, and, and like, it was just very sad to me, like, but effective. Like it was a very effective last piece of footage to kind of be like, man, it's, it, it it's really sad that they don't make it. Because, again, like in a monster movie, you might want to just be like, yeah, the, the great part of the monster movie was we got to see a cool monster. He destroys things. Great. That's what I want from a monster movie. But there's and, also this aspect of the story. And the juxtaposition, again, we just got done with all that chaos, all that destruction, all of that franticness. The camera is shaking like crazy because it's found footage. And they end they end with the two of them and you get the impression that they were friends, but never really addressed kind of the elephant in the room, that there was mutual feelings of more than that on both sides. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden something happens. They explore what that is a little bit further. They seem like they're having a great, you know, uh, a time exploring to see where this was going to go. And then something it just didn't materialize any further than that, that day. Um, and, and you get that, you know, just that juxtaposition of the franticness to just that calmness. Uh, and then we know that the, it kind of went bad, you know, cause of, of what we see at the party, like, wow, what a, what a way to end a movie, just comparing those two little emotional beats back to back. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was, just very, very well done. Um, after the credits roll, too, though, you can hear an audio clip of somebody saying, which sounds like Rob's voice, saying, help us. Um, and then it's still alive. So there was talks about a direct sequel to this. Um, and there's still there's still actually a report that they're doing a direct sequel to Cloverfield after the exact events of this movie. Um, but there's like a little end credit stinger there um, with with this movie. But I, I just yeah, I, I'm so surprised at how this movie has held up, because, again, 2008. You know, so it's a long time ago now with, with everything that goes on, like 2008 feels like it's a long, long ways away. Um, but this movie holds up incredibly well and gives you a lot of things that don't really work. And I even think about it in, you know, the new Godzilla movies. Like, I like them, but mm, does the human element really hit in those Godzilla movies? Not necessarily. Like, not all. Like, I don't really think it does. Um I, I'm intrigued by those movies because I think the design of Godzilla is awesome. Um, and I like them. I, I'm a big fan of what they've done with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and then um, Kong vs. Godzilla, or Godzilla vs. Kong, whatever you want to call it. I, I think it's actually called Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, but the human elements do not work as much as, as it does in these ones, which I think is a very rare thing for monster movies where you have a group of characters that you, like, you want them to survive. You care about what happens to them. I'll tell you what's, what really stood out to me as unique about this movie. And I think what makes it stand out 
amongst other films that you could say are in its genre. You know, let's just say, you know, big giant something blows up a city. We've seen this a bunch. Like, that's not new. Like, if you just describe this movie as that, you can think of 75 movies that fit in that exact same description. But what this movie does that's interesting and different is it focuses on really five people, really five people, Um, you know, maybe a few more than that, I guess. And it's just their story. And they're not like a chosen one that's going to bring down, you know, the, the final boss. They're not military. They're not special forces. They're not any of these things. Um, they are just people trying to survive. And that's what makes it unique. Uh, comparing this to like the Transformers series, for example, that we just finished up over on the basement binge. You know, every character they focus on is somehow destined to be part of the of the bring down of the final bad guys. Um, you know, you think about a lot of those Godzilla movies like those, the people, the human elements that they focus on are, are intricately involved in waking up the monsters or attacking the monsters. And, and so, I mean, they do focus on people just trying to survive, but but those people are really just in relation to the other characters that are trying to take down the monsters. And, and that's really how they focus on it. What's really effective about this is it's just these, these small group of young people trying to get out and trying to understand. And that's, I think that's what makes this stand out um, and why it was really so effective for me. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, and you know, one thing I, I think this guy just, he deserves so much credit. Um, one of the things that was just noted about this movie upon its release was the direction. And I'll tell you, man, the, the more I see from him, Matt Reeves is a director. He's, he knows what he's doing. Like there's something to be said about the way he's been able to shoot this movie, his planet of the apes trilogy, you know, his work on the Batman. I just, I, he's, He's so good. Uh, I, I'm just super impressed with with what Matt Reeves brings to the table. Um, and you know, again, say what you want about him, but uh, we we I recently just finished a movie from J.J. Abrams, but he's definitely got some some creative ideas uh, with certain properties. Um, Abrams does. I, I think these guys did the, a fantastic job. Again, this movie was super well received. It actually held because I'm always interested in these things, but it it actually held the record for January for biggest opening weekend in January for six years when it came out. Like that's yeah, because it's a January kind of like a cesspool. Like you don't really see a lot of big box office draws come out in January, right? Ex- exactly. But yeah, this thing was number one for for six straight for six years. It was number one. And like I mentioned earlier, I mean, produced for 25 million makes 172 million worldwide. Super effect, like super effective, super profitable. Um, but good reviews to it. It had really great critical reception. And I think these guys did a fantastic job. Again, if, if you were around when this movie came out, it really is hard to describe. And I won't go back into it the amount of viral marketing that went into us. It was so crazy with what they did. Um, And it really just, it really helped bring just this fever pitch to, we want to see what this movie is. So uh, a fantastic job all around for this thing, I think. Yeah. Not only would we maybe have to explain what uh, videotapes are to some of our Gen Z listeners, you might also have to explain what MySpace is. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it, it was just insane what they did for this movie. But um, w- with no other real final thoughts, we're going to move into to popcorn time on this movie and give our reviews. And Rob, I will I will let you go first. And where does this rate for you? It's easily a five. I like I got to say uh, um the uh, programming director at MGTTM Studios uh, has just been throwing rocks lately with with uh, his selections. Um, when this was when this was put on the calendar, I was so excited because I haven't seen this movie in probably ten years, um, 
And I was like, oh my God, yeah, I really remember enjoying that. I'm very much looking forward to firing that back up and seeing if it still holds up. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised at how well it held up, how engaged I was with it. And this was, it probably took me three different sessions of sitting down and, and you know, watching the film to get, to be able to watch it the whole way through. Cause I had some other stuff I was trying to do today. And I, I got up from, you know, I, I turned my computer off and uh, go do whatever I had to do. And I was like, ah, I really, I don't, I want to finish that. Like I, I, I'm, I'm into this right now. Like there'd be like a really dramatic part. Like, ah, I, I, like I'd be upset that I was being taken away from it. So um, yeah, this is easily, easily a five out of five buckets for me. Yeah. It, it's been a five for me since day one, when I watched it, it has remained a five. I think it's one of, if not the best monster movies um, that I've ever watched. It, it's very easily either number one or number two. Um I have a toss up with the new Godzilla movie, um, the the first Godzilla that led into King of Monsters and Godzilla vs. Kong, because I really do. I, I like that movie a lot. Um, I feel like this would probably top that, though, just because of the human element that we talked about being much stronger. Where would you rank this in terms of overall found footage movies? Oh, this is easily number one for me for found footage movies. So, I mean, when you think about the ones that are out there, um, you know, obviously Blair Witch is kind of the one that everybody thinks of in this mm-hmm. genre. You know, it's um, I think that came out of like, what, 99, 98, right around there. Um, you know, Paranormal Activity, I think, is another one, um, you know, that that's got some moments that are pretty good. Um, I think I'm trying to remember there was one where there's uh that's it, like all take there's like a, a news crew and I can't think of the name of it. Um, but that's kind of the, the whole thing that, you know, that's that, that was pretty good too. But yeah, I, I gotta say like as groundbreaking as Blair, Witch was at the time, I don't think it holds up. Like if you were to go back and rewatch it, I don't think it holds up the same way you remember it when you first saw it. And it felt really like I didn't actually see it in theaters until it had already been like this major thing in the zeitgeist. So it kind of like didn't blow me away as, as much as it did for other people. But I, I will probably say this is, this is probably my number one uh, found footage film. Yeah. For me, the only thing that comes close um, is Chronicle. Yeah. That's one of that's the one where they gain powers, right? Yeah. That's... Okay. I, th- I thought so. I, that was pretty good too, but it's, it's kind of that one. They're not as effective at justifying right. why they're recording it all the time. Yeah, no. Um, so that, uh, yeah, for me out of found footage films, this is easily number one, probably number one, you know, on my monster movie list, but yeah, it's, it's a complete five for me, which, you know, out of the last four movies that we've done, three of <laughs> three of them have been fives. And one of them was a four and a half. John Wick three was a four and a half for you and a four for me. So, um, it, you know, I don't know. Maybe something's wrong with me because we're actually talking about good movies lately. Um, yeah, but I know that's I know that's not going to last. There's no chance that lasts. <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll be moving into uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane and the Cloverfield Paradox, which Rob has not. You've seen parts of. 10 Cloverfield Lane, correct? I think I, th- I think so. Yeah. I'm looking so, forward to just sitting down and, and watching it start to finish. Yeah, it'll I'll be interested to see what your take is on where these movies kind of stand in the Cloverfield universe and, and what you think of them. Because um, they're, they're, it's, it's pretty interesting. So th- that's going to do it for this. Uh, you know, this episode here, a lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to go back and watch this. But, you know, Rob, it's it's easy to do, um, but if you want to stay up to date with this show and, you know, get new episodes, alerts and everything, how, how do listeners do that? How do they stay in contact with Matt Goes to the Movies? There are so many ways you can stay in contact with Matt Goes to the Movies. Um, you should start by just subscribing 
to the show wherever you downloaded this particular episode from. Uh, that way you can stay up to date with all the great content that will be coming out. Uh, maybe you need something to listen to while you are decorating your tree or doing some Christmas shopping, driving around. Maybe you're shoveling snow. Maybe you have snow where you live, or maybe you're in the Southern Hemisphere and you're uh, you're on your way to the beach right now and you're looking for something to, uh, to listen to on your way. Uh, subscribe to the show. That's the best thing you should do uh, to make sure that you don't miss any great content because it's just going to keep coming. Um, as Matt said, there's two additional Cloverfield films uh, that'll be reviewed coming out soon and lots of other great stuff that we have uh, discussed that are uh, still waiting to be finalized. Uh, you can email the show mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us your thoughts on Cloverfield, and you can also send us your rankings of maybe there's a found footage movie. Maybe there's a particular gem that we didn't discuss that uh, you think we should check out. Uh, we always love to hear recommendations on on films that we should uh, we should look into. There's been so many great movies in my life that the only reason I ever got exposed to them uh, was by a recommendation of a friend. You know, I'm specifically thinking about The Big Lebowski is is a big one in my life uh, that was uh, recommended by a friend. Um, so make sure you do that. You can check out the show on uh, Facebook. You can check out the uh, group page. That's a great thing to belong to. There is no MySpace page for Matt Goes to the Movies. Probably, maybe you should just start one just because of this movie. Does <laughs> MySpace off. even still exist? Like, if you go to that right now, is there anything there or is it literally just a tumbleweed rolling across the screen? <laughs> um, but you can check it out on Instagram, TikTok, Reddit, YouTube. Uh, there's a couple of video episodes available that you can see on YouTube. Um, and uh instagram yeah and tiktok i got them all i think yeah yeah absolutely so listeners thank you so much for joining us for this episode we look forward to bringing you the next installments of the cloverfield series and we will see you very soon at matt goes